0: Interesting thing about that, this will all tie in in a minute, but one interesting thing about birthmarks is doctors don't fully know what causes them, right? I think in our our scientific, quote-unquote, world we live in today, uh, we always think, oh, we have it all figured out. But they don't even really know where birthmarks come from, right? Uh, The general consensus is that they're formed while you're growing in your mother's womb, and that as you're kind of developing, the cells multiply, and some don't really fully develop all the way or overdevelop. And uh, so you're left with birthmarks in certain places, right? Um, So it's, it's technically not a mark of your actual Birth, but it does happen while you're while you're developing in the mother's womb. And so, anyway, I just found it interesting that that it wasn't actual. You know, we call it birth marks, but that's just because we didn't know where quite where they came from. They just kind of pop out on you when you <laughs> when you come out of the womb at some point, right? Now, these marks, as as uh, Haley just mentioned, three three gener- or three yeah three generations same birthmark same spot. Interesting. Uh, these things are identifying markers, aren't they? Right, and and they're they, they're a part of who we are. Uh, and this happens all over uh, the world. People kind of identify their children. like, Oh, yeah, okay, I know. He's got a birthmark here or there. In some cultures, they even actually mark you after birth. Uh, Nigeria is one of those places where they've done this for hundreds of years. It started during the uh, slave trading uh, times where they would mark their children's faces. They actually cut their faces. And the reason they did that, which I found this so fascinating, was that they did it to protect them, uh, their children from other rival ethnic groups in the country, right? So there were warring tribes, and some of the tribes would steal and kidnap the kids to sell off to others. And so if they had a particular marking on their face, then that, that group would know, oh, that's part of my tribe, don't steal that child, uh, as opposed to another one. It's just kind of interesting how cultures develop. Uh, but again, some still do that in that country even today. And these marks, again, are, are identifying features, right? They say, I'm a part of this group. I'm a part of this, uh, this tribe or part of this this family, as Haley's birthmarks there uh, mentioned. Uh, That mark in in Africa is a symbol of protection in a way. But these are, again, identifying markers, right? In our own country, there's groups that use markings, right? You have, like, gangs who use tattoos or maybe it's uh, hand signals, right? So uh, maybe you know someone who's been in that type of circle and they have a special handshake or hand signal or something to identify that they're a part of a particular uh, subgroup um, something is belonging to one another. It's, it's an, a way to, ex, to accept a new identity in a way, right? And so uh, those things are important. For believers, why this tally is, ties into us and why we're talking about birthmarks and markings and all this crazy stuff, for believers, we're marked as well. But not on the exterior, right? You're not a believer because you wear a cross necklace, right? Or or have a uh, some sort of exterior symbol. You're you're not a you're not a follower of Jesus just because you have a Jesus fish on the back of your car. <laughs> that's not a great great symbol of that. Uh, you know, so if you ever see someone driving and they have a Jesus fish and they flip you off, that might not mean they really are following Christ. All right, just to make sure we're, we know that's out there, uh, because we believe that we're marked in, in Jesus. We believe that in Christ we're born again, right? We're given a new life, we're given a new identity, and we're marked from the inside first, right? That we're given this new heart that's completely changed and unique. We're empowered by God's Spirit to think differently than we did before and so act differently as a result. And we're called to do that, as we've been talking about, in a new community, with a new group, a family, so to speak, right? So over the past few weeks, we've discussed some of these new birthmarks. right? We've talked about hospitality and loving relationships. And we've said how uh, they're valued here at Faith, but they actually go beyond us and our church. They're, they're marks that every community of believers should really exhibit. And so since we've already kind of identified two, I thought it'd be fitting that we continue that and, and lean into the rest of these and, and explore these a little more of how we are marked by Christ in unique ways uh, than the rest of the, the, the world that we're around. All right. And so we're going to do that for the next four weeks, starting this week, where we're going to discuss these new barth marks, these four distinguishing features that a Jesus-following community should have. And we're going to primarily use the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans uh, as we go through these, right? So we're going to start today in Romans 12:12, 12, 12, and it's going to be on your screen or above me if you're in house. And uh, we're going to talk about. The, this distinguishing feature. Now Paul's going to say something here that I think I've, that I find really, uh, again, is very unique and some people are going to say is almost impossible. So we're going to look at this together and we're going to dive into it a little bit. Romans twelve twelve, Paul writes to the church, he says, one of the st- distinguishing features, one of the new birthmarks we have is this, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Now we're going to take this from the inside out this morning because I think one of the biggest, diff- uh, one of the biggest words in this whole thing that we kind of get stumbled upon when we read this is the word tribulation. Anybody know what that means? You two, my sons. Either one of you know what the word tribulation means? Of course not. When have you used that word? Never, right? Nobody uses that word, right? So what in the world does it mean? I mean, it it sounds horrible. It sounds bad. It's like tribulation. That's not a good thing, right? But what exactly is Paul talking about here? Tribulation, in effect, is, is any suffering, right? Is any affliction, is any persecution or any distress, that's all tribulation is. So if you ever felt pain or you felt like you're being persecuted, if you, felt some, or if you suffered through something in life, you've been through tribulation, right? Now, that's an okay description, but there's a little more to it. The, the Greek word behind here that Paul is using carries the idea of pressure. We've talked about this several times before, but I like to remind ourselves because I forget it's the idea of pressure. Tribulation feels like you're hemmed in. You ever felt that, right? You ever felt like there's just, you're in a situation, it may be an emotional thing, it may be a physical thing, uh, where you feel like there's no way out? You ever felt that? I've, I've been there, where it's like, I just feel like I'm boxed in, uh, even if it's not a physical thing. It's like, man, I just feel like there's a lot of pressure on me uh, to get something done, or, or there's a suffering in my life that's really pushing down on me. That's what tribulation is. You may have experienced that a few times in your life. But the thing is, if you haven't, you will. Because this is the normal experience for everybody, for believers included, right? I think we kind of get tripped up on this, that we think, oh, suffering is something that happens when we mess up or suffering is something that happens uh, you know, to us when someone has done something bad to us and it's not a normal experience. But I think if you live long enough, you come to understand that tr- suffering, affliction, persecution, tribulation, those things are actually common experiences, if not normal, everyday experiences. We all experience our share of sickness. Some might be going through that right now. right? We all may experience seemingly unfair accidents In our lives, we may experience a loss of of work. And ultimately, we may experience death. I think we've all had someone in our family or close to us pass away. And we all have that in the back of our minds that one day we're going to be gone, right? For believers, we may get the added tribulation of persecution for what we believe, right? Especially as we're moving, uh, as, the, as the world is changing around us, our beliefs are becoming more and more countercultural. So as we begin to, to continue to proclaim Jesus as king and, and living this new life with these new birthmarks, people around us are going to either say, wow, you're really weird, or to uh, even persecute us to a degree because of what we believe, right? So that's tribulation. But no matter what, what, how do we define it or what it is in our lives, it, it is, again, something we all experience. It is a normal part of us. Peter told his uh, a church one day, he said, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, right? So he's saying, hey, this is normal. John Piper said, affliction is where we live. Affliction is where we live. And that experience... And how we respond to it, it marks us in ways, doesn't it? Let's revisit our baby metaphor for a moment to kind of get back and understand this a little, little more, right? As, as that baby grows and develops in the mother's womb, and I've had this, I haven't had this—I had this personal experience. My wife has. I haven't. But, but I've lived through this seven times over. But as the, as the baby grows and develops in the mother's womb, they reach a point where they've got to come out. There's no way around it. One way or the other, they're coming out, right? And to, to be able to continue to grow, they have to leave the comfort of the womb that they have been developing in. They, the mother's body, at that point, begins to, without getting too much in detail, because nobody needs this on a Sunday morning, but the body begins to squeeze and press in on that baby, right, from the sides and the top and all over, so that it, it forces the baby through immense pressure, right, through this small canal and out into this, this bright, harsh, cold world they live this 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 nice warm 98 degree life in this this water and it's just like floating around in a spa for nine months and all of a sudden you're pushed through this little canal and bam right here you are in the middle of this bright just freezing space and it's just crazy and you know you've had to experience this before as a baby obviously right and so it's 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 tribulation suffering in that regard much like that baby for the believer for those of who follow and accept christ and do our best to live for him Tribulation is the passage we are squeezed through on our way to new life. You see, God doesn't just allow us to be subjected to affliction, right? You'll you'll see someone or maybe heard someone say in the past that, oh yeah, well, well, God allows these things to happen. But they don't tell you why. But see, what happens in Christ is that God doesn't just allow us to be subjected to affliction. He actually turns... And uses that for our good. He uses it to serve our growth. That's radically different than what you're going to find in, again, any other religion or just a belief. If you don't have any belief, then you're trapped in this cycle of pain and suffering. There's no way out. There's no reason. There's no rhyme. It's just chaos. But in the believer's life, this is you. God is saying, here, I'm going to not punish you. I'm going to use this to shape and grow you. Put this, allow this pressure to come around and make it where it will change you into what you need to be. Making you into this new creature. Romans 5, 1 through 6, it dives into this from a little different angle. Paul writes this again to the Church of Romans. He says this. He says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3 says, Not only that, and we're going to break this down a little bit, but he says not only that, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, in other words, not only do we say, oh, thank you, Lord, that you have saved us, that we are, we are made clean by you, that we have this new life in you, that we have eternal life in you, that's great and wonderful, but since we have that, verse 3 says, but we rejoice in our, what, what's it say somewhere around here and up here, sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing what? That suffering produces endurance. And endurance, says verse 4, produces character. And character produces hope. And hope in Jesus does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this explains, it kind of wraps it up in a nice little bow. Verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died For the ungodly. You see, for those outside Jesus, pain, affliction, suffering, they're masters. They're masters in our lives. They direct us, they they inflict things on us. We're under their influence. It feels like we can't escape, right? There are things that control us, Uh, there are things that beat us down, use us, abuse us, make us feel helpless. But when you're following Jesus, God takes that master and turns it into a slave. He takes what others intend for your destruction and turns it for your good and for your growth. You see, Christian joy, hope, endurance are not found in freedom from tribulation, but because of it. It's this great reversal. It's something you're not going to experience anywhere else. It's this great reversal that instead of suffering robbing us of hope, for the believer, suffering produces hope. Now, how does it do that? How does it do that? Because through suffering, we reach the end of ourselves. Now, that might sound like a bad thing, but it's ultimately the best thing. Because, you know, just like a baby, see, the harsh new reality for a baby after birth is there in unfamiliar and uncomfortable territory, right? Right? They want the, the comfort and safety they had before, and they know instinctually that it comes from outside themselves. You ever seen that with a baby that immediately after birth, and they, they'll one, they'll start to scream, which we'll talk about in a minute, but two, they're, they're grabbing, they're reaching because they're used to being wrapped up and comfortable, and they know that they on their own can't really survive. They can't be comforted. And so they reach out looking for comfort. Separated from the the nurturing warmth of mom, that that baby is helpless and hopeless. Instinctually, that reality drives them to to reach out and to scream, (laughs) in some cases, to cry out for help. You see, tribulation goes from stealing our hope to producing our hope when we realize that our only chance for survival, much less just growth, comes from outside ourselves. You see, when you think you're going to rely on your own strength, one day, you'll grow weak. Amen? You guys, The guys that are sitting here, you experience this, you get a little older. I'm, I'm not nearly as strong. I've got a little bit of old man dad strength. I'm starting to get a little bit of that. I'll wrestle the boys, and they're trying to wrestle me down. I'm like, no, I'm your dad. You're going to get put down. But one day, they're going to put me down because I'm going to get old, and I'm just not going to have that anymore, right? One day, our strength's going to fade. No matter how strong you are. One day your mind, maybe you rely on that, maybe you're like, man, I'm pretty smart, I can figure things out, right? I can understand things and I can use my intellect to kind of move me forward in life. One day that's going to grow dim. If you're going to rely on your status, there's going to be one day where nobody's going to remember you. But when you've come to the end of yourself and scream out for help, you cry out for help, You can be certain that in that moment and every moment thereafter, you're never going to be put to shame because on the other side of that cry is the arms of our rescuer and our sustainer, Jesus. And a reliant hope in him will never, ever be put to shame because we don't have to rely on our strength anymore. We don't have to rely on our mind anymore. We don't rely on our status anymore. We go back to the one who has saved us. We may be weakened by pain and loss. Maybe you're experiencing that now. Maybe you're sick uh, right now or know family members that are sick. Or maybe you've recently lost someone in your life and you're weakened by that moment. We may be hemmed in on every side, but yet we have hope, not in ourselves, but in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Through God's loving grace, we who trust and believe in Christ and in Christ alone are wrapped up in the arms of the Father. It is through his love and grace that we are rescued, we are saved, and we are sustained day by day. Not of anything we have done, but because of what he has done for us and what he's doing for us right now. It's that hope that allows us to do crazy things, things that seem impossible, like Paul says here, to rejoice in our suffering. <laughs> Without Jesus, you can't. What's the point? There is none. But with hope in Christ, he says, this is for a reason, a purpose, and a plan. I'm going to guide you through it to your growth, right? We can have joy in suffering. That's only possible, only possible when we realize that our hope in Christ goes beyond the pain of the moment, right? It goes beyond even death and into eternal life, into the very power and presence of God, where where the Bible says that one day we're all going to stand around that throne we're going to be in that presence of the almighty and all the suffering we realize at that moment will have been worth it because we'll experience just unimaginable joy and fulfillment in that eternal moment all our tears from all the loss all the pain all the suffering are going to be wiped away the bible says every wrong will be made right that's a beautiful picture of what we have to look forward to. That sustains us as we in the moment of our pain and suffering now to know what we have to look forward to. But our hope isn't just in the future only. It's in the here and now as well. How often does a baby cry? Anybody anybody here? How often does a baby cry? Y'all know this? All the time, right? A baby has a great way of letting you know that they're around, right? You're never going to forget you got a baby. (laughs) They're always going to make sure you know it, probably to the point you wish you might not have had that child at some point. I know that sounds horrible, but every parent's been there where you got to the point of like, man, would you please just stop crying, right? You've been there. Babies cry all the time, all the time. And often in the beginning, uh, there's a number of reasons, but mainly the first reason is because they're hungry, right? right. They've been constantly fed and sustained in the womb, and now they're outside and looking for, for sustenance. They're like, man, I just need some, so give me some food, mom, dad, somebody help me out here, right? That hunger pain they feel constantly leads them to, to cry for something to sustain them. Likewise, our present suffering that we all experience more often than we want to admit should drive us to cry out like that child in prayer instead. As a matter of fact, I think you could, I think you could say that, that prayer is the cry of a hungry heart. Now, for most of us, I think that our prayers are cries for relief for the pain we're experiencing, right? At least initially, that when we're, when we're in a moment of just intense anguish, we're like, oh, Lord, please help, right? Or maybe you're in this moment where you're uh, driving down the road and there's an issue with your car. And you're like, oh, no, I don't have control. And now you reach out for help. You're crying out, Lord, please, something, do something to take this situation and make it better because I can't do anything, right? So initially, when we're calling out in faith, it's like, just please help me. I don't care what it takes. Please just help me move through this moment. But there's more available if we're willing to put in the time. You see, we settle for this temporary reprieve, but God is calling us to go deeper. To not just know about him, but to really know him. You see, a baby only knows mom is a relief from the pain. It doesn't really know who she is, right? But as they get older and they grow in that relationship, they begin to truly know who mom is and who dad is. They get to understand why they are the way they are and why they love each other and why they, why they love their children, right? They begin to understand the inner workings of the mind of how they've come to be who they are. And it, be, it can, if done right, it, that relationship between uh, child and parent can become just this deep, you know, abiding relationship, right? It's to that level that God is calling us. And prayer is the key to developing that. You see, Paul prayed this. I think it's a worthwhile one. He was talking to another church because he talked to a bunch of churches. He talked to this other church in a place called Ephesus in Greece. In uh, Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, we're going to have it somewhere around here. It says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, talking about the believers in that in that area, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you this, right? He's saying, this is what I pray for you. He may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. 18 says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, meaning opened or reopened, maybe for the first time, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. You see, we must... We must have a heart that is hungry for the power and presence of God. John Piper has said that this is a gift. This is the the gift that we should be praying for from God. This is why Paul's praying this over. The things we need most, we can't get on our own. And that's why prayer is utterly crucial in our lives. When someone says, I can get along fine without prayer, they don't know what they're missing. If they are missing it now, they're going to miss it forever. He continues, he says, if you cannot get something now on your sorry, if you can get something now on your own, you're going to lose it at death. It's not worth much. But if you pray for what you cannot get on your own now, and God gives it to you like the spirit of wisdom and revelation of knowledge in him, that is that hunger in your heart to know him, you will never lose that. You'll have it for eternity. And it'll give you a, a sweetness of pleasure now, he says, an inexhaustible joy for eternity. That's what we should be praying for. That's a different prayer, right? The initial prayer of a, of a baby's crying out for hunger, for sustenance, but as it changed, that relationship develops with the parent and child. It grows deeper. Jesus is saying, come deeper. I've heard people say, well, I ha- there's, I'm, I'm, my faith, my understanding is very simple. I, faith is simple. It's just clinging to a, to, a, to a God who has loved and saved you. That's a simple thing, but it's not shallow. There's a difference. God's calling you to go deeper in Him. If you want to hope, if you want to even rejoice, if you want to endure in the suffering that we all experience then allow that suffering to drive you to a deep prayer. A prayer not just for relief, but for more of God's power and presence. For more of an understanding of why he loved you enough to die for you. And allow that developing relationship to sustain your hope, right? To power your joy. To give you endurance in the middle of the pain. Because our hope goes beyond is isn't just in the future, though it is, but it's also right here and right now in his power, his presence. So I pray that this new birthmark be marked in our lives today. Let us be marked with hope, whatever comes our way. For seekers this morning, for those of you who may be online, or maybe in-house or both, and you're checking us out maybe for the first time or second, or maybe you've been here a long time and just kind of been hanging out in the shadows and you're wondering, hey, I don't really know about this Jesus thing and what all this is about. I hope this one give you a little bit more insight about what following Christ looks like and how we're changed by that relationship. And I pray that it awakens something inside of you. I pray, pray that it awakens this hunger in you to want to be able to do what what only believers in Christ can do, and to rejoice even through the pain, knowing that it's growing us to be what God has called us to be, something better than we could even imagine for ourselves. If that's you and you want to accept that new birthmark, if you want to be be changed by him, all you have to do is, is accept and believe in Christ. We believe that we're all Sinners, the word says, we all fall way short of the standard that God says. That's why Paul says, for at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, right? That we're never going to be able to make it on our own into into the presence of God. We're never going to be in heaven, whatever you think heaven looks like. You're not going to be there on your own. And that's horrible. Because that means you never can rejoice in suffering. That means you never can, can have a hope that goes beyond the immediate. But what the, the joy and the good news comes from is that Jesus came, the Son of God, God himself, to live a perfect life that we can't, to die in our place. And God rose him from the dead, a historical, valid, look-it-up-for-yourself investigate the resurrection because in that moment is where we have our hope knowing that he did in fact rise from the dead literally and not just figuratively and that he says all who trust and believe in me will do the exact same thing and live forever in the presence of an eternal holy loving God. And all you have to do to to accept that gift because it is it's a free gift given to you is say I need that I want that help me bam, you're done. That's, that's it. And it's a daily pursuit of that hunger. So if you're ready to receive that gift, we're going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. If you're not, you're saying, well, I don't quite know if I'm ready yet. That's all right. Continue to come back, right? We're not going to scare you away. We're not going to say, hey, if you don't believe and trust in Jesus, get out of here. No, just keep hanging with us. That's okay. Because I want to show you this indeed is, the, the one, the only way to heaven, and two, the best way you could possibly live this life you have right now. It changes everything. And so stick with it. Two, for believers, every week, for the past few weeks, we've been giving you a scripture to kind of take home, right? And I want you to, and I can encourage you to, to use it, to take it, to place it all over your house, write it on your mirrors, put a sticky note. I don't care what you do. Just, just use it in some way. But because why I do this is because Sunday morning should be an appetizer, right? It should be, all right, we're getting ready to go to the Super Bowl tonight. It's, it's, the, it's, it's just a little taste. Just to whet your appetite for what can really satisfy. What can really satisfy. So my prayer for you is the same as Paul, because I want you to be hungry for the bread of life. I want you to be thirsty for the living water of Jesus. And I pray that Sunday is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just, oh, that's a good taste, but I need more than that. Where can I get more of that, right? You're had something you just can't get enough of. Man, I just love some really good food where you just get a little taste like, oh, you know you shouldn't eat more of it, but it's so good that you just want more of it anyway. I pray that is what you get out of this this morning. And what this is going to allow you to do, we're going to take Romans twelve twelve home with us today, right? And home with us this week. And I pray that as we get into that this week, if, if you do nothing else, I pray that you just read and consume, just focus on Romans twelve twelve. rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And while you're doing that, it's going to sustain you throughout the week. Now, I encourage you to, to read beyond and around that phrase, but if that's the only thing you got, that's better than nothing. Cling to that, read it and consume it. Feed on that this week. You know, the phrase is, you are what you eat, right? And you give away what you take in. So as you consume this, I want to encourage you also to break it apart. I want to encourage you to break it apart, and I want you to give it to someone this week who's struggling. Maybe it's online. Maybe, maybe you meet them in, a, in the supermarket. I don't know where you're going to be with this person. Wherever you're at, look for an opportunity to break apart this bread of life and to share it with someone who may be suffering with pain this week so that they too can taste and see of the hope of Christ that sustains us through all things, whatever comes. So let's get ready to close. Let's pray this morning. In house all heads, bowed all eyes shut, as we're going to get ready to... There's not a lot of us here today, so that's easy, but uh, I would encourage you to so nobody uh, is embarrassed as we uh, get to this next part. If you're looking to follow Christ today, this, this is what we're here for if you're looking to find that hope that we have in all suffering and affliction and pain and, and all these things we all suffer through, and you need this relationship, then you simply do it by praying this prayer, by reaching out, crying out like a, like a helpless child, saying, Lord, I need you. And you pray this prayer or a prayer like it. You say, dear Jesus, I need you. I've been going through a lot in my life that maybe many people don't even know about, I've been hurt, I've been suffering, I've been afflicted from all sides, I feel pressured constantly. I want the peace and hope and joy and patient endurance that only comes from you. I realize now that I've been trying on my own, but it's been, fell way short. (laughs) And it's not enough. I want you. Help me to follow you today. Today to read more about you, to to learn more about you, to talk to you, to to be hungry for that relationship with you and to live for you no matter what from here on out. If that's you this morning, whether you're here or online, I want to encourage you, if you're in person, you can slip your hand up and I want to get up with you before you leave today. If you're online, make sure that you like or love a comment we're going to post because I want to follow up with you too. Just because you're not physically with us doesn't mean you're not important. We're going to catch up with you, all right? We're going to make sure you know what happens after you've made that, said that prayer, made that decision. It's just the beginning of a great journey. Amen. For believers, let's pray, and all everyone else as we close out, let's pray together. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you help us to develop that hunger. Lord, that sometimes whenever, we, whenever we've whenever we been uh, eating some bad things, that we got to retrain ourselves to eat the things that are good for us. And as we do that, Lord, we start to be hungry for them more and more and more. So I pray, God, that that is our spiritual condition. Lord, that we may be settling for things that aren't satisfying and give us temporary relief. But, Father, I pray that as believers, people who trust and follow you with all we have, that we are not satisfied with anything else other than a deeper relationship with you. Father, I pray that we get into your word this week, that we're able to read. Romans 12 12 to to rejoice in hope be you know be a a constant patient endurance in tribulation to be constant in prayer Lord to have that as our birthmark starting today and moving throughout this week I pray that we're able to share that with others God that you enable us to to rest in the hope that we have in you and to give it away maybe like we never have before and God that we continue day after day to seek out you and ask for you to put put more of you in us so we can give more of you away, so we can see lives change, so the people who are suffering find hope, so the people who are in pain have peace, for this life and eternal life to come. God, we thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy that you pour out on us each and every day. We thank you, Father, for that. We pray that we're able to continue to give it away in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. For those of you online, thanks for hanging out. We're about to check out for the day. I hope you had a great time. Make sure you check us out Thursday at 630 for prayer meeting. We do it every week uh, on Facebook primarily. We don't describe, we don't you do YouTube for that one? It's just on Facebook, so sorry. But if you're on YouTube, you can hang out with us then. Uh, And also again, Sundays, 10 a.m. Every single week we're here, all right? So make sure you don't miss out. We'll See you guys next time.